Hey, what's going on, guys? On this episode of Drugs and Stuff, Dave and I are going to tackle your listener questions like we always do. Uh, if you guys have any questions for the next show, then please comment below. We're going to record real soon so we can get that show out next week with all your questions, plus comments, likes, all that stuff. It helps to boost us up. I appreciate the hell out of you guys for helping to support our programming. Uh, if you're new here, let me encourage you to hit the subscribe button and hit the bell. We've got several bodybuilding podcasts coming out each week with different hosts, uh, educators, coaches, IFBB pros. We're all here hanging out to talk about bodybuilding, have some fun, entertain you guys and teach you some stuff in the process. This week we were asked about Clomid. Can you use it as a cycle in itself? It does raise your test levels. PGF2A, uh, specifically using it in a topical form. The benefits and the drawbacks of using a training logbook. Somebody asks us about folostatin. We talk about the top end creatine dose that would be a, a good high end effective dose to use. Plus Dave shares with us stuff about his time in prison. Uh, it's some interesting stuff, things I didn't even know about him. So I hope you guys enjoy the program. We're getting back to our regular schedule. Like I said, I appreciate the hell out of you guys. Let's get to the show. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with David Stanley Crossland. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings. We're also brought to you by supplementsource.ca for our Canadian people. That means you can get some like Ephrogen and some good deals uh, on closeout supplements, stuff like that. Uh, we are brought to you by Eval. You can go to uh, evalbloodanalysis.com. Uh, Dave will do all your lab work for, you know, better deal than the NHS. And uh, what else do we got? We got the, the Born Mouth Challenge. Actually, that's already happened now by the time this comes out. Uh, but that said, <laughs> that said, we're back. We're back. We're back with another abbreviated episode uh, as I am traveling uh, actually as we speak. As you guys watch this on Monday morning, uh, Victoria and I are in the windy city of Chicago. She has completed um, a big conference that she does out there called NASH. And uh, we are getting back uh, on our way back to Detroit. What's up, Dave? How you doing? And Scott is wearing the same clothes he wore last week because he's a scruffy tramp. <laughs> and Dave, Dave is too, I guess. Dave is too. And you still got your dog. No, I've got two. I've got. I've got two of the same t-shirt. Oh, okay. You still got your dogs a bit with like us. Home, a, bit, a bit like Homer Simpson. Are you going to cry when you have to give that dog back? I'm a bollocks. Dave's got a What's big heart. Dave acts like he's What's really tough, but he has such a big heart and he loves animals. No, I do love animals, but I will also be glad to see the back of him because you are a pain in the <laughs> arse, aren't you? Yes, you are. All right. Well, listen, guys, for this episode, uh, like I said, we got to keep it abbreviated, but you guys give us so many awesome listener questions. We are going to do the best that we can to tackle them all today. Um, what's his, what's his name again? You said you renamed him Ginger Knobhead? Ginger, Ginger Knobhead. Is that what you've been calling him? Does he come to that now? Yeah. <laughs> Stop leaving it there. Say hello to Scott. There you go. You can say hello to Scott. No, no. He looks just you like wanted you. to come up. You want, okay, come on then, man. <laughs> you wanted to come up. He's amazing. You know that? He, he sat in between my legs, like, trying to climb up, trying to climb up, and then he comes up, and he doesn't like it. He's a little camera shy. Go he on, just wants the cabbage. Don't choose something you're not supposed to. All right. We're going to go through your listener questions, guys. Comment below. We'll be back to our normal podcasting next week. 
so leave us comments, plus comments, likes, all that stuff. It helps to boost us in the algorithm. We'll start out with this one, Clomid-only cycle from Andy. Just that. I've seen people say in reports that test levels double or even more with it. How long could you do this for and uh, what are the negatives of doing this? You'd be much better using Novadex and it won't double it. No. It will increase it. It will increase natural levels because basically you're you're making your pituitary think that there's no hormone production. So it's going to massively increase LH and FSH. How well you respond to that is down to how well your Leydig cells respond within the testes. But you're not gonna see you're not gonna see sixty n mole or fucking chlorid or Novadex, not at all. Hmm. Um, uh, the other thing is, chlorid is really good at making you feel like dog shit. Yeah, yeah, um, which is a, a lot of people struggle to run chlorid in PCT because of that. So if you were gonna choose a serum to help boost your natural test production, I would definitely look at Novadex and not chlorid. I found that when I took Clomid post-cycle, I would definitely feel, like, more emotional. Like, I'd watch a TV show that was touching. Like, you know, some, like, this kid's going away to school and his parents are going to miss him. Like like Lassie or Flipper. Yeah, you know, and, like, Lassie can't find his way home. And I'm, like, you know, getting out the tissues. I never saw Flipper. But yeah, I never saw Lassie either, but I, I made that part up. But yeah, like that. You know what else I saw when I did Clomid? I saw trails. Like nighttime. Like, did you? Yeah, yeah. It, it can affect, it can affect your eyesight. Uh, serum, one of the side effects of serums is, is uh, impact on eyesight. And it can become eyes permanent. Are, yeah, eyes are particularly sensitive to estrogen levels. And. Serms, for those that don't know, are selective estrogen receptor modulators. So they, they promote estrogen at some receptors and they block it at others. Okay. They promote it in the liver, which means they're very positive for lipid management, but they block it at the eyes and can cause issues with eyesight. Hmm. Yeah, I remember that like it, it would be at nighttime when I'd get tired and I'd see like trails from like my phone or something like that. You know? This is different. It's kind of like I thought I was having a flashback from my old days or something. Right. Are you sure you were using Clomid and not LSD, Scott? It's it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up. I might have reached in mm. the wrong bag. You know what I mean? So they, they get easily confused. You know, <laughs> plenty of people spent a PCT tripping the tits off. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, this is, this is relating to a couple episodes. We talked about IGF-LR3. He says, I'm very gutted to hear that you don't rate LR3. Even at 400 micrograms a day, works out to about 20 quid. Did I say that right? Uh, a day yeah. retail. So the cost would be up if it was going to be effective. So if you've done that, Joe, and you feel that you're getting benefits from it, then crack on, mate. We are far from the fucking holy grail when it comes to drugs. Look at his um, he looks like he knows what but, he's talking about. He's got some fucking delts on him in that picture. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is based on what we've seen, both research and anecdotally. Uh, if, if it works for you, then crack on. I personally think it's a complete waste of fucking money. But, you know, you have your own experiences, and who am I to argue if you found them positive and beneficial? I'm not. I'm not you. I, I have lived your life. I don't know. But uh, 
that's my experience. Here's my, I got a couple thoughts I'll add. Cause I didn't say this when, when you had given your thoughts on it, but previously, I think that I, I, so I've used some IGF that I thought was really good and I've used some IGF that didn't seem to do anything. So I think that one of the big issues is being able to find good IGF LR3 and being able to consistently get the same stuff. The first time, dude, I used IGF, like all the, within the first day or two, all the pores in my face just like disappeared. All the pores shrank. Like my skin looked, it was weird, man. Like my skin changed dramatically that first day and pumps were incredible. I do feel like it helped me with sleep. Um, I maintained much more fullness. I, I could see benefit to it for sure. Um, all right. But, but all, that, all that said, yeah. did you grow tangible muscle? It's hard to say because it was part of a bigger program. You know what I mean? And and I only it was that one time. Other times I've used it, I didn't get anything like that. So, but at the end of the day, if it was that effective that time you used it, that would have been one of the most productive cycles you've done because it would have been. I mean, it was really productive. It was really productive. It was great, man. You know, I mean, I I would highly rate that. But at the same time, I can't tell you, hey, you should go do IGFLR three because. Let me put it this way. You should go do that exact same product that I used from, you know what I mean? And it's impossible for you to get that same thing. Not to mention that was like 2005, you know? So it's like, I, you, you, there's no way to replicate that. And I think that's the problem too with like underground GH. Is underground GH, UGL stuff, is it good? You know, generics, are they good? Some of them are, you know? But anyway. Consistency is definitely a, a, a problem across the board, uh, particularly with peptides, uh, without doubt. Um, I, I'll definitely agree with that. I'd say my personal thoughts are I wouldn't bother. You liked it in that instance. I know other people that have said they found it really beneficial. They feel really full on it. It makes them train better because they feel so full. They get better pumped. That's fine. Those have never been. Those have never been motivated for me in the gym, so uh, I can't really relate to that personally. All right, what else we got here? Um, question for Dave: I it, it, am I allowed to use rabbit meat for my main source of protein? Is there a rabbit isolate? Uh, because I have plenty of rabbits here in Nottingham. Is it worth paying supplement suppliers to make one? <laughs> what is that? He, he told me that's he, a joke. He says it's a joke. What does that even mean? So rabbit is an incredibly lean source of protein. Well, we, we get whey protein. We get beef isolate protein. So why can't we get rabbit isolate protein? Yeah. Okay. The, I mean, the little, little story, um, we mentioned this off air before we started. Um, I do believe that actually there was an issue for the American trappers in days gone by because their main food source in the winters was rabbit. The pioneers. The pioneers. It, it had such low levels of fat that they were actually making themselves ill yeah. because they just weren't consuming enough fat um, and they were having major problems. And it was because their diet was based around rabbit. It's incredibly, incredibly lean. Let's see, There's a there was a name... It's called. It was a protein poisoning that they got. Um, yeah, they they just, they just call it protein poisoning. 
when you only eat protein and that's the only food that you're getting. I wonder how ripped those guys were, those pioneers, because they were moving around a lot. They're getting their steps in, eating nothing but lean rabbit, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. What's up, guys? Uh, can you go more in depth on, uh, you know what? Never mind. No. No. <laughs> I can't. And that's the honest answer. No, yeah. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What else do we have here? Oh, we already did this one. I know I had a bunch more. We've got this one here. So, yeah. No, I'm just, it's just, it, it is what it is, I suppose. You, Dave, you, can you do better? Can you do better? Let me ask you. Oh, fucking, I don't know. I job doing fucking worse. You what? <laughs> I'd have a hard job doing worse. Okay. Question. Last week or the week before, Big Daddy Crossland mentioned PGF2A in a aqueous cream to kill off fat cells. I'd love to hear more about this. Dosing, frequency, etc. Right. PGF2A is not something you want to be fucking about with it. It's a proglastin. It's part of our growth factor mechanisms. You get that on a woman and she is going to go into labor. It causes a smooth bowel contraction. Uh, it is something you really, really don't want to be fucking about with unless you know what you're doing. Regards dosings, I haven't got a Scooby-Doo and I don't think anybody does. It's one of them out there drugs. It's definitely one of those exotics that there isn't really any data that we can refer to as to, you know, what does what at what dose. I've tried it as an injectable. Um, it, it's supposed, or it had the theory behind it that it would help with some site growth. I can't conclusively say either way, to be honest, because there were too many other factors involved. Um, but it, it isn't the most pleasant of things to run. Put it that way. So I lasted 10 days and I stopped. What, what did you get? Like, what were the side effects? So the first thing is when you do take it initially, it makes you shit yourself. Oh, it's that one. Yeah. I've never taken this. It's before. that one. Yeah. And it causes an aspiration in the lungs, which means you can't breathe for a couple of seconds. You soon get used to that and you soon learn to be able to control the smooth bowel contraction. The problem is the downside of that is when you start to control the smooth bowel contraction created by PGFDA, you end up sending yourself constipated. Oh. Uh, and, and then you start to get a, a, a level of inflammation, uh, particularly around the brain, that's akin to a bad flu. Um, and so, so effectively, by about second week in, you feel like dog shit. You really do. Um, huh. huge fullness from the sites you're injecting at within the site muscles, huge, huge fullness in those, yeah. um, whether it had any dramatic impact on growth, I, I really can't say, I really can't say, um, I mean, I used it in my arms, but my arms were already big, um, and they already grew well. Um, and I don't know if the PGFA to con contribute to that. Yeah, or, or if it was just because I've already been, you know, I've predisposition genetically to have big fucking arms. Um, Photoshop. But that was when, 
Well, yeah, I mean, that was one of those days, when, you know, when you just wanted to see how ridiculously large you could get the busted things. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's, it's not friendly stuff. Um, now, I know somebody who did use it in Aquas Cream for a comp prep, and the fat loss of it was very impressive. But I, I honestly have no idea what docents he ran uh, or how he ran it from that point of view. Okay. All right. Let's see what else we have here. Um, oh, we had a question about logbooks. Bring that one up. Um, from Tor. He says, um, question for the next show. I heard Dave isn't a fan of logbooks. I would love to hear his reasons. I find it hard to deny that minor increases in strength. Almost every workout can create a novel stimulus, which forces the body to adapt. But at the same time, I agree with John Meadows and others that as long as you are training to failure with good form, that's all you can do. Um, you aren't uh, suddenly getting stronger or training harder just because you write it down. You have more to say, but I'll, I'll cut it there. What are well, the you? The thing is, yeah. My thoughts and my objections are exactly what he's listed. Um, logbooks are useful, definitely. I'm, I'm not against them in that sense, uh, particularly if you want to review historically where you were in a cycle and, and how you perform. Because quite often we remember things through rose-tinted glasses and they weren't what we thought they were. True. I've, I've had cycles that I felt were brilliant and felt really good on. And then when I've actually looked back at the, the sort of numbers side of it, it's like, well, actually, I didn't gain that much. Yeah. I felt good on it and I felt like I was being productive, but actually the end results of it weren't that brilliant. Um, I've had other cycles which have seemed to be horrendously hard to get through, but the results of those were tre tremendous. Yeah. So, you know, there, there is something in that, but I am very conscious that a lot of people adapt to beat the logbook attitude, and that inevitably leads to form de degradation or, or performance degradation just in order to get those numbers to keep going up. We cannot continually get stronger, because if we did, every world record in the world would be getting beaten every week. Yeah. So it just doesn't happen. Um, and there is a lot of variation in our workouts. Even if we do the same weight, the same sets, the same reps, tempos change, focus change, little things change that alter how that set affects our bodies. Um, so there's a huge amount of variables. And I, I, I also don't like the fact that in order to run a logbook, you have to break off from the workout to record it. Hmm. And that, to me, loses my mind focus. So for me, I used to have a few sets in the beginning of the workout where I was fucking about, joking with my training partner, and we were just catching up and whatever. Bear in mind, it was usually only 24 hours since we'd last seen each other. And then we sort of just naturally dropped into the workout, and then that was head down. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, game on, business, whatever you want to call it, but... I didn't want to then be sat at the end of the bench writing little numbers and scribbling in a book because it took me away from the focus and the focus was the next set or the set I was doing or whatever it may be within the where I was in the workout. So, yeah, I don't like the fact that they can encourage uh, number chasing. I don't like the disruption to the workout mentally, uh, but I do recognise that they have their uses in recording data and historically being able to look back at them and see how certain things work, particularly if you pair it with 
your cycle and your diet, which I, I know um, they seem to be, and I can see more beneficial with them in powerlifting. Oh, yeah, getting... Because powerlifting is a more from... broken training and a more regulated training, whereas with bodybuilding, for me, anyway, when I trained, I, I just sort of got into it uh, and, and then went with that. So that's my main reasons against them. Um, but, you know, it's not for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, because then, then I think, like, well, what Scott Stevenson has said is, like, to him, his passion with it is beating that logbook but he also knows to keep his form consistent he he sees that as his challenge he thinks about that logbook and he thinks about you know and that's what dc training is too is thinking about getting in there and you know that's what the challenge is is working up to do better than you did that last time and and if you love that challenge then it's great for you but it does it have to be that way no you know the issue i find is that there aren't the percentile of people that can be disciplined enough to accept that challenge without contradicting form or tempo is rare. Yeah. It's, it, and then Scott, it's, Scott JP is another one that has the discipline to work that way. Where for me, I chase pain in a workout rather than weight. Yeah. Weight was consequential, but I chase pain. So, so I was always, my workouts are based around making the muscle hurt more. Yeah. I found, excuse me a minute. Yeah. Dave's, got some, okay. Dave's got some dog issues. Did you have to go to the bathroom? No, no, he's, he's eating something, but it's all right. What he's eating is not a problem. I thought you were going to have an accident or something. You... I'll, I'll just, I'm, I've got, I'm peeing this. It's not. Oh, okay. Good, good, good. That's professional. Actually. That way we don't have to ever take breaks. So have you ever heard like a waterfall sound effect? <laughs> we know what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think we did this one yet. Um, he says, um, as always, great show, guys. Love starting my week with the show. I have a question. He says, I, I gave Folastatin a try recently and a second time as we speak on day 12 of 20 using it. And Dave said they're basically useless but I almost never get sore anymore. And when I use it, it leaves my entire muscle I pinned and general soreness in other muscles used. Not PIP at all. It's as if I got a brutal workout in and what is physically going, what is physically going on then? To be honest with, with uh, the peptide like for, uh, for starting uh, and the ACE 3 one, I think it is. Uh, I don't know. Because a true folistat or a true myostatin suppressant is an active live bio drug. It's an organism. It's alive. Yeah. These are not. Um, and I don't see a lack of DOMS as being a particular indication of growth or, or of recovery. Uh, to be quite honest, I mean it could be. But but not necessarily. It can also just be an inhibition of um, inflammatory response because hmm. it's the inflammatory response that causes the pain. Yeah, you know what I've heard though with folistatin. Well, I heard that so initially it was really good when they were getting the untagged versions. So eventually they tagged it, meaning that within that DNA sequence they've modified it. 
so that it basically has like a serial number on it. And once they tagged it, people who said that it was doing great stuff said that it stopped doing great stuff. I'd known somebody who said he had gotten the tagged version and the scale, him and another guy were both using it and that the scale just started immediately going up, up, up. Like we're talking 20 pounds in a week up and the, the pain also, I believe I remember hearing that, um, that if it caused, IG, 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 IGF one is extremely fucking painful. True well, IGF one. But we're talking not so, about IGF. We're talking about a myostatin inhibitor. And we the, are, but what we're talking about is the regulatory processes that regulate IGF one. Okay. So, so if we if we lower in myostatin, we have unregulated IGF one. Okay. So that, but yeah, yeah, I heard that like your pain is tremendous throughout your whole body. Right. Like it's not a good mm-hmm. feeling, and that's what makes me no, wonder. Is he getting a placebo effect? You know. See, this is this is the other thing. All right, when you look at um, pharma- pharmaceutical research, the next big drug, the the or one of the next big drugs, one of the drugs that is a billion pound product, is a successful myostatin inhibitor because it becomes the golden drug for muscle wastage diseases. It has so many medical applications in that format, injury recovery, all sorts of things this thing can help with, post-surgery, all sorts of things. They haven't successfully done that yet. But you think that the peptide, you think the peptide company is selling a product that, that will replicate that, but the big pharma haven't, haven't been able to. Right, right. Because if they had, it would be published. It's just how it works because part of that drug then becoming a medication means it has to be published. Yeah. Uh, and what they found is they found compounds that can suppress my stat production. They can regulate my stat, but they cannot successfully isolate the one that regulates muscle. And there are loads of different types of myostatin that regulate loads of different things within the body, including stuff like organal growth. In the very early days, guys were using myspleen antibodies and injecting them into themselves. And that was suppressing myostatin, but it was also suppressing myostatin that caused that regulates organal growth. And as a result, these guys were then ended up dying sometime later, but they were dying because their organs were growing so much inside their bodies. Oh God. So that was the very early sort of, you know, experimental mad stuff that people were trying. So I am just, it makes no sense to me that a Chinese peptide company can make a compound that successfully isolates and reduces myostatin in muscle when the whole of the world of pharma can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, that and that seems like it would make the most logical sense. You know what I mean? So I'm not saying that there aren't products out there that have an impact, but they just, I don't believe they are doing exactly what it should be doing. And as all myostatin research is based around uh, harvesting antibodies from myceline, that's where it all starts. You you grow antibodies from myceline, you harvest that, you grow the drug, you physically grow the drug. Hmm. And they are directly linked to the donor, that can't be replicated in the freeze dye formula mm. because it has to be grown. It, it just that's it. So 
whatever there now there there are compounds that have shown to reduce myostatin. Yes, there, there is that, but they aren't true myostatin suppressants. So YK11 was was shown to lower myostatin levels. Oh, all yeah. anabolics, to some, all anabolics to some extent, will lower myostatin levels, uh, but they aren't true myostatin suppressants. So that's where I am with it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But that, that that's where I am with it, and that that's how my brain looks at it. Do you know anything about desoxy T acetate, which is a testosterone no. acetate, I guess? No, I don't. Okay, Laser asked us about that, and 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 I see it's available because Amino Asylum has it. So it's it's a, obviously it's at research chem sites. Desoxy T acetate. And I, I see some threads about it. Um, someone referred to it as a cross between EQ and Masteron. And some research sites said it had anabolic androgenic ratio of 160 to 60. I, I don't know anything about it either, but he had asked. I, I figured you wouldn't. So we're talking research chemistry uh, topic here. <laughs> It's definitely something we can look at. I'll look at for the next time we're on, uh, but it's, it's not something I'm particularly looked at for me. But unfortunately, to be honest, my research of late has been very, very poor. Um, I do need to get my head into the books a bit more and, and catch up with a few things. I am a bit behind on a few things. Well, I know you've been doing a lot with eval lately, and, um, you know, I mean, I'm sure each pizza probably takes 20 minutes to cook. And then you get the delivery yeah, they, time. Yeah, and obviously you've got to pick the toppings, and they need to be freshly prepared. We can't do any of this, you know, frozen crap. It just isn't going to be good enough. Yeah. Okay. Um, but no, I mean, um, one of the, one of the things I, I do want to do, um, and it's a few years away now, is to sort of pull back on work so I can literally get a big section of time into looking at research and. and going in more in depth in some topics that I really want to look at. I just haven't had the time. That'd be cool. Do you know much about Sten, Sten Balone? Because that'd be one we could do a topic on. Somebody asked us recently, but we could make like a show topic out of that one if you knew much about no, it. No, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm under no circumstances do I, do I claim to know it all and far from it. Uh, sure. And I'm more than happy to to run off and, and, and do research if people want me to look at stuff. So, uh, you notice how when Dave leans forward and he speaks into the microphone, his voice sounds so much better versus when he's. Oh, like, I, I do apologize. I do like apologize. I am from it. You guys notice? That? I, I apologize for being particularly amateurish within my microphone culture. All right. And I will try and be much more disciplined with my microphone et- etiquette. I do apologize, Scott. Wow. And you need to learn to use fucking Photoshop. All right. One more. Um, Creatin. 10 grams compared to 5 grams. Yeah, definitely. I um, I actually like creating a very high doses. Well, like what's top end? 20. That's a lot of creatine. I mean, I've done it, it too, is. but five, it's a lot of creatine. 555, five, five. love it. Um, real big fan of it. Um. There's not really. I mean, it's one of the most studied and researched sports supplements out there, and it, it's you know there's there's tons of data on it, it being particularly effective, uh, and I think it is one of those that you can run a little bit on the higher side. 
Yeah. Steve had, uh, I always notice three to four pound increase <coughs> when getting back on creatine, noticeable increases in muscle fullness and strength, endurance in the gym. Big believer as well. Yeah, man, I, I can't argue with any of that. I think it's a, I think it's a great over the counter supplement. I remember when I was in prison, um, we were allowed very few supplements, uh, protein powder, but creatine was one of them. Really? Okay. And I, I, and I remember loading up uh, and my strength just shot in the gym. And obviously there was no other in So much so, I actually got pulled and asked if I was using steroids. By the, by the guards and stuff? Well, versed by one of the gym PTs who was a, a fellow con. Uh, and then there were there was other words said. Um, but, uh, I wasn't, you know, it was it was just crazy. But because <coughs> I mean, diet was pretty shit. It wasn't particularly brilliant because obviously I was based around prison food. I did what I could, but uh, yeah, that I was I was very impressed with how effective it was. Laser says uh, creatine has an impact on lowering milestone. I didn't know yeah, that. there's there's lots of things that do. It's just that that impact is not particularly real world significant. Hmm. Yeah. Did you? Let me ask you this: uh, Did they have to make a special shirt for you, like a for when you were in prison, like an extra extra big one? No. Well, you your shirts you only have for visit, so you wear. Generally, you wear a T-shirt and, and oh. joggy bottoms, tracksuit bottoms every day to day, and then you you have a dress shirt, well, a prison shirt for when you're on visits. They didn't have um, like where did what, what about that outfit with the stripes, the black and white stripes? No, that's films. It's a blue and white striped shirt and and blue jeans. And the blue ball or the the steel ball with the chain on it. I only had that when I was in Canada. What? <laughs> I actually, I genuinely, I was taken from Niagara Detention Center to the airport, um, to Toronto Airport, yeah, uh, to be deported, and they transported me in the orange jumpsuit with top and bottom shackles chained oh, together, shit. and they marched me through. Now they're supposed to take me into um, custody there, then I'm changed into civilian clothes, and then I queue up, I queue up with an undercover officer, yeah. Um, and I check in as a normal passenger. That's what's supposed to happen. Yeah, yeah. But these two, these, these two dough balls took me to check in in full jumpsuit, shackles on everything. In the middle, in the middle of the Toronto airport? In the or- middle of the airport. Yeah, oh I went to the God. check-in dress, dressed like that. Then they took me to get changed into civic clothes. Dude, I can only imagine the looks you were getting. Yeah, there were a few people on that flight that were a little bit nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Did you talk to anybody? Like, were you allowed to talk to people? No, I, I had a, I had a whole row to myself at the back of the plane. I was oh, loving okay. it. It was, it was. Uh, the, the the funny thing was, so there was a woman in the queue when we were checking in, and you could see she was obviously worried. You know, oh, she kept yeah. looking over. She was very nervous, very fidgety. She happened to. So I got the central aisle, the central bank of seats, and obviously two aisles, and then the outside bank of seats. Yeah, she was on the outside bank of seat, pretty much in line with the aisle I was sat on. She wasn't too comfortable with that. She was even more uncomfortable when I got arrested when I landed in the UK by six armed police officers. Oh shit! So like you got off the plane, you're you're being escorted by the two guys, and then you're met. No, by- no, no. I get off. I get I get off the plane a free man. 
And it's up, when you're deported, it's up for the country that you're arriving at to oh. arrest you if they want to. And there are six dudes So I walked off you. the plane, uh, and I got to the end of passport uh, control, and it turns out it was shift change. There's normally only three, but they thought, we'll hang around just to make sure we got you. Yeah. Uh, because technically they have to find me and arrest me. That's technically what they have to do. At that point, I am free. Okay. If I ran out of a fire exit, I could have fucked off, and that would have been the end of it. Holy shit. That's so like the they, start of a movie. They, they arrested me. All off. They're, they're armed at uh, Heathrow with submachine guns. Yeah. Oh, uh, God. They, arrest, they arrested me and then took me. Obviously, they don't have to take me and get my luggage because I've got a suitcase. They need to collect it. Yeah. So they take me to collect my suitcase and I'm handcuffed again, surrounded by six armed police officers with machine guns. <laughs> Holy and shit. Who's at the luggage carousel but the same woman that was there when I checked in and they're on the plane. <laughs> Holy shit. Man, I wish we could get some video of that. That would have been great to see. Yeah, that was that was mental. That was that was quite mad. Dude, but I mean in all seriousness, I'm sure that was like the worst fucking time of your life. I'm glad that you can look back at it and and have this attitude now, man. I mean, for real. Like I'm genuine about that. That's cuz that I mean, I can only imagine like how that really felt at the time. So, it's cool you can look back at it like this now. Yeah, you know, I, I, I didn't pay my VAT. I, I was fraudulent with my VAT returns, and, and I jumped the court case. So, oh. you know, effectively, I was on the run, for want of a better terminology, which is why I got deported. What's uh, what's VAT mean? Base tax, federal, federal tax, equivalent uh, to federal tax. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Damn. Damn. So if I hadn't, the thing was, I had a bill I couldn't pay. If I hadn't paid it, it would have just been a debt. It would have been a civil matter. Yeah. But like a dickhead, what I did do was I changed the VAT return to an amount I could pay. So the accountant sent the VAT return for me, and then I was to sign it off and send it in with my VAT payments. Hmm. So I changed it and sent it in. That made it fraud. That made it criminal. Okay. Holy shit. And I'd sold the business um, at the time, or the business sale was going through. So there's me, a big chunk of change in the bank, um, a big VAT bill coming, which the chunk of change wasn't going to cover anywhere near it. Yeah. Um, there was no argument that I'd I'd ripped the VAT man off in the sense that I'd taken money out of VAT and spent it, because what had happened is the money that we owed was was effectively due to the fact that we'd expanded too fast. So we we were using VAT cash as cash flow. Oh, okay. So they, they, they knew I hadn't squirreled away a load of money in a secret account or anything like that. They were quite happy I hadn't done that. Yeah. And, and I just, for whatever, looking back now, I can't honestly say why, but I had some available income. I had an opportunity, so I just got on a plane and fucked off. <laughs> hey Dave, how uh, Neven asks us, how long did you live in Canada? I lived in Canada for just short twelve months. I, I originally started in a place called Caledonia, uh, Ontario, not far from Hamilton. So Hamilton is the nearest big town. Neven's from, uh, from Ontario. I, yep, um, and I believe at the time, I think it was around two thousand and six. It was when there was the. The local um, Indi- um, Indian population had taken over a building site because they said it had been illegally possessed by the town council. Huh. Uh, because uh, my understanding is that Indians don't believe in possession of land; they believe the land belongs to all. Yeah. 
So the council had claimed that an Indian chief had sold it them. Okay. The Indians claimed that this was not possible because an Indian chief doesn't believe in land ownership, so he would know he had no land to sell. Yeah, yeah. And there was no signature on the document. It was marked with a cross. So there was this big hoo-ha, and they they occupied it. And basically, state troopers sat there and watched them 24 hours a day. And uh, every now and again, it was a little bit of a skirmish, but nothing too major. And then I moved out to Port Dover. I know that name. Yeah, it's on the sh- shores of um, uh, Lake Erie. Oh, okay. So I, I looked. I, I had my my house was on the shoreline, and I looked over at New York, so, New York State, not obviously not New York City. So had not all all that not happened, you would be like kind of Canadian right now. Well, so how it all came about. Originally, I was there on a holiday visa, um, even though I was technically on the run. Um, and I decided to try and legitimize myself by applying for, because I thought my, my stupid head at the time um, was like, well, if I've got in through border control, my passport isn't marked. So therefore, if I apply for residency, because I had a job offered, I, I, I had work, I could start, I'd retrained as a gas engineer. Um, I, I could, I, I could uh, obviously legitimately stay and when they did that visa process they found out i had this pending in the uk so i was called in for what they they termed my final interview and i walked in and i got arrested and sent to niagara detention center oh shit (laughs) so basically it's probably a good thing that we didn't ask you to write a letter on our behalf for victoria yes that may not have gone down i mean that's i'm currently not allowed in america or canada yeah, yeah. Um, I can apply to have that changed, uh, but I just never got around to doing it as it stands at the moment. <laughs> even says, Dave will always be Canadian in my heart. <laughs> oh, Dave, my good Canadian friend. Hmm. All right. I was, was an ice cube farmer too. It's, it's, it's kind of chilly up there, isn't it? Hmm. I mean, that's the same weather as you get here in, in Detroit. Like we're same, you know what I mean? Same level. Yeah, I've been up to uh, whatever it is Shania Twain's from. That's as far north as they go. I don't know where she's from. No, it's a Canadian will. I can't sure. remember what it was called. All of our listeners know a lot about Shania Twain, I'm sure. It's one of the big Canadian exports is Shania Twain at the end of the day. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Uh, as always, you can go to eval, get your lab work done if you're in the UK. Uh, go to supplementsource.ca. If you are in Canada, you can get some good supplements there, including ephedrine as in blowout deals on great supplements. Uh, truenutrition.com. Uh, use our code THINK here in the US. If you have any questions about any of their products, let me know. And, uh, you know, reach out to Dave for, for some coaching, crosslands.org.uk, or hit me up for coaching, McNallyDiets at gmail.com. We'll be back to our normal schedule next week, guys. We appreciate you hanging out with us. And thank you, as always, Chaz. Bye-bye. <laughs> See you guys.